hello. I hope everyone is, is doing well. Uh, my name is uh, Todd Neiswanger. I'm the lead pastor here at uh, Cornerstone Church. And uh, we're here today alongside of Spencer McCush. And then also coming back again for another time is Christian Burkhart. And this is, uh, this is just what we're calling Beyond Sunday. It's an opportunity for us to sit down and take some of the big ideals <clears throat> and thoughts that we've been wrestling through, but not just to leave them that way, but to take them and to bring them into something that we're able to really begin to, to land into to real life. But not just land into real life, but understanding that the best way to do this is out of the context of a local church. So mm-hmm. I think the fun of sitting around this table is these guys aren't just guys that have worked biblically through all kinds of things with me, but they're friends. And they're people that know my life, and I know their life, and that's that's the fun of it is to to work out God's truth within the just the context of relationships. So, we have been as a church working through just this idea of of thinking rightly in a broken in a broken world. And uh, one of the places that we went to to kind of start this off was in Romans twelve, and and really that idea of what does it mean to know God's will, but more importantly to know God's will because we're being transformed by that renewing of the mind. And so uh, I took a week and kind of worked through Romans 12 a little bit to set the context, to set the table up a little bit. Christian came in the next week and and he unloaded this idea of, of the intent of what the mind was was supposed to, how it was supposed to work. Mm-hmm. And, and I thought you did a great job of that, Christian. And then this week uh, we had Spencer come in and uh, it's not so much the ideal, <laughs> it's the well, fact that <laughs> because of the fall, why our minds don't work well. Yeah, uh, what was interesting is not just, I think what you did with Romans 12 was interesting because you started, you know, it's like, okay, you know, we're offering up our, our, you know, our lives as a spiritual act of worship, but then it's, Paul's not being conformed anymore to the pattern of the world, but being transformed. And so there's, there is a contrast that's laid out there, which I think really does set the table for this, for this conversation, you know? Yeah, yeah, and it, it, but we needed to first... Have Christian tell mm-hmm. us back into Genesis one and two and understand what what was, how was the mind was was it intended to work from the from the very beginning and I thought that was great the way especially you tied it together with, the mind was intended to have limited information yeah. the mind was intended to be in submission to God to truly be dependent upon Him, and the mind was dependent upon having that that personal that that relational context with yeah, god that, and with others that relationship of trust oh trust yeah. was huge yeah. and that at the end of it that's how our image displaying worked its way out and i still remember you working through the animals i thought that was awesome but, <laughs> but spencer why don't you kind of lay out for us is why why is this important though that we not just stick to genesis one and two but why is it that you really felt man working from there we needed to go to genesis three through eleven to really understand not just the intent but but now this kind of brokenness that we live in, uh, in that case. Yeah, no, I think that's that's good, and I think it does come back to the to the Romans twelve reality. Um, going, Paul clearly is calling the church in Rome there, you know, to to no longer be conformed to the pattern of the world, but but be renewed in the way that their minds are are, are functioning and thinking. And as we said, you know, a couple of weeks ago, the the mind is the way we interpret and make sense of the world around us. I think the language you guys used was was as the interface. I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still, that's a, that's a hard word for me to wrap my head around, <laughs> but it's, it's the way I make sense of the world. Yeah. You know, it's the way I'm interpreting things. And, and, but I, and, and nonetheless, I think we're all in that same, 
same place and going, okay, so if that's what the mind is, then Paul saying, hey, don't be conformed anymore to the pattern of the world. One, we need to know what the pattern of the world is. But then he also says, be renewed. So that means, okay, going forward, we have to, to be renewed. But that also means we have to know what was intended in the beginning because the renewal is, and I think that's where Christian, yeah. I think you, you were, you called that out pretty well and saying, okay, in order to be renewed, you have to know what the, the starting point was. Mm -hmm. That's gotten broken. And that's kind of where I think where it matters is I don't think we spend enough time talking about the reality of the brokenness of the mind. I don't know if that makes sense. I mean, no, it, it, that, I think it does. Cause I mean, here's the thing. I, I look at, at Romans 12, one and two, and it's, and it's, it, it, it can one from, from one vantage point, it can seem like it presents us the fork in the road. You can go the way of the world or you can pursue this transformation through the renewal of your mind. But it's not just a fork in the road where we now are at this little crossroads and we can take one path or the other. His point is to say, you've been over here. You are already conformed as a fallen human being mm -hmm. to the pattern of this world. And he's calling us out of that to something different. Right. That like none of us approach this passive or neutral. Mm -hmm. There is the need for transformation because none of us have been born into the garden in Genesis 1 or 2. We all have been born in the aftermath of this brokenness of humanity. Something is just so good. I, I, maybe for me as a kid who grew up in the church, sometimes I felt like I heard oftentimes that sense of don't go off track, don't go the wrong direction, and less about the, you're already on the wrong direction because you've been born into Adam. Right. And there is this need for this transformation, this change to happen that already, not just don't make bad decisions in the future, it's there's already this need for transformation from the moment you came out of the womb. You know? Yeah. So explain maybe just real quick, Spencer, in like just a few sentences, why is this so important? Like, why do we need to go into Genesis 3 through 11? Right. Why do we need to get there? Because you, you, you said in there we need to. Now, why? Because it is what Christian was just setting up, you know, setting the table for of going. Paul says, don't be conformed any longer to the pattern of the world. That's the condition we're in. But I don't even think we understand what that means. And so in order for us to understand, I think we've limited our understanding of don't be conformed anymore to the pattern of the world, to like issues of, you know, morality and activity and action. By the way, I thought you drew that up, yeah. right, this last weekend. Yeah. It's beyond morality. Yeah. So good. Now keep going past and that. So, so then it's going, okay, so the way that I think and interpret and make sense of the world around me is broken. Now, and to your point, Christian, that's the state I'm in. So being conformed anymore to the pattern of the world means I don't, if I just stay status quo in the way I interpret the world around me, I am conformed to the pattern yeah, of the world. Right. Yeah. I'm missing what God's intention was in the beginning and what Jesus has subsequently called me to do as a redeemed image bearer going forward. But unless I understand the extent of that brokenness, I will be doing exactly what the world around me does. And so that's where I go. Man, we, we've got to just know what it is in order to think differently about it. So I don't know if that makes sense no, or not. That is, that is great, and that's a great segue. And so what I want to do now is just kind of pull back, and let's, let's look at what is this biblical truth in and around Genesis 3 through 11, and how can we understand it so that we can begin to, to think rightly just in the midst of that broken world. All right, so that's the why that this is so important, and I agree with you. I think the more that I have in my own life began to read and understand Genesis, 
chapter 3 through <laughs> chapter 11. I, Spencer's told me I need to clarify that a little bit. But even I, I remember one of my professors in seminary saying how important it was. If we don't understand Genesis 3 through 11, we will never understand our fallenness. That mm-hmm. we, we really do need to understand those chapters to understand our brokenness. So why don't you then kind of give us maybe a just a, a context of Genesis chapter 3 through chapter 11 and help us kind of understand what, what's going on there. What is that we need to, to, mm-hmm. to kind of grasp as we kind of move forward in, that, in, the, in our wrestle with this? Yeah. No, I think that's good. I, I would want to limit the conversation to, to not just the like brokenness specifically as it pertains to how our mind works and how we think and know. Um, because I think brokenness is, is, it affects all areas of life and all areas of creation. And so part of that is going, okay, what did God intend in the beginning with knowledge and how we're just, our mind was supposed to know, which is where Christian and, and did a great job, you know, a couple of weeks ago. Um, which, okay, so God, God intended us to know things. And if I can summarize it, Christian, you can speak into this one as well, but go on. If I remember right, you said uh, we were to know things in a way that was dependent upon God, mm-hmm. um, limited or restrained, mm-hmm. and then based on kind of that trusting relationship. I think you, yeah. in my head, I was it's walking with God. You know, and I, go, I don't know if that was based on the conversations we had, but is that pretty much right or am I missing something there? No, absolutely. I think it's, it's like our minds are meant to be guided by God, the okay. one who has infinite knowledge to yeah. say, hey, let me continue to unfold more of this for you. Yeah. And he did yeah. that on purpose. Yeah. Yeah. So if, if that's the case in the beginning, <coughs> that our knowledge and the way we interpreted the world around us in order to do this properly and make God known as image bearers, um, that, that our knowledge was, was limited, dependent, and in relationship with God, mm-hmm. I would say what sin does and what we see in Genesis 3 is an undoing of all three of those. Mm -hmm. And that sin fundamentally undermines God's intent. Um, And so so what we see in Genesis 3 is we see the serpent tempting Eve, and Eve all of a sudden is no longer satisfied with restraint of knowledge, but she wants more knowledge. She wants to go beyond what, what God had brought to her. Mm-hmm. God said, you know, Hey, there's a, there's a limitation or restraint on knowledge. And, and she says, no, I want, I want to know both good and evil. Mm-hmm. I want, I want to, to have wisdom beyond what God's revealed at this point. And, um, God intended knowledge to be known or things to be known that were based on you know, a dependence upon what he revealed to them. Like you were talking about the animals and the parade of the animals and mm-hmm. God revealed things to, to humanity. Now all of a sudden she wants to be the, the arbiter of good and evil. Or she, sorry, of, of knowledge. She wants to go beyond. She exits out of kind of that dependence. She judges for herself that this fruit was good. Exited out of what God revealed and did kind of her own thing. And then... You also see there's a void of relationship with God in that moment. They're not walking mm-hmm. with God in how they are knowing. She's independent, she's unrestrained, and she's not in relationship with God in how she's actually interpreting the world around her. And man, the wheels come off the cart. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that, if you guys are tracking or you want to clarify something, I don't know if that, that's just me kind of throwing 
info at you guys and I look at you and you're both looking at me like, are you crazy no, or what? I, no, I, I think like what's so interesting is, is not only in the fall, it's the undoing of God's created intent, right? And then in redemption, we see the, the undoing of the curse back into God's intent, right? It's, it is the complete unraveling of how God intended us to, to, with the mind then, not only know, understand, perceive the world, but even know, understand, and perceive who he is, right? right. I mean, I think there was an undoing of not only how we perceive the world, but how we perceive God. Because we're no longer, like to Christian's point, we're no longer walking with God. That relationship has now been fractured. And it's been fractured not just in regards to how we know, but everything, but certainly in how we know things. But it's also in how we, it, it does affect our morality. It does affect how we engage with beauty or aesthetics. I mean, it's just anything now all of a sudden has been affected by this fractured relationship and us not functioning the way God intended but our conversation here is limited to yeah. the mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but you still, I would say, what's interesting, though, that became then the norm. It, it right? did. What we, it did. What we now need to understand is that is now the human predisposition. Yes. yes. The human disposition now is we are going to be unrestrained in our pursuit of knowledge. We're going to be independent in how we function. We're going to be not in right relationship with God and how we know things. And I think Genesis 11 comes into play here. We see like at Babel um, where, man, you know what? The way God, God has entrusted humanity with all these things and abilities and capabilities. And man uses these things to make a name for himself. We fundamentally have exited out of what God intended for humanity as image bearers to reflect him to the world. And now as broken image bearers, what we do is we think independently, unrestrained, not in relationship with him, and in a way to try to build up our own name and image. Yeah, yeah I remember reading something. Gosh, I, I could be totally misremembering who said this. I think it might have been Jonathan Edwards. He just talked about how, like, one of the realities of sin. He's more talking at that point about in terms of desire in the heart, but that the... That, the fall of humanity didn't make our hearts larger and made them much smaller. The scope became so much more self-focused. Instead of love for God and others, it's now love for myself. And all and and I think in the same way when we talk about that that desire for unlimited, unrestrained knowledge, walk, not walking in dependence with God. I mean, think about like the uh, even in Genesis 11, the way that it says the Lord came down to see what they were doing. I love just in the in the narration there, where yeah. it's like they're going, "We're going to build this tower with the height up to the heaven," and like God's going, "Wait, what? Are, what are they doing way down there? This thing that they think is so great." And it's it's it is ironic that in this idea to become more, to become greater, to become like God, how small our desires become. That all of the, the innovation and development that we see humanity grow into in Genesis 11, at the end of the day, it's just because you want a reputation? Like, that's it? You have nothing bigger to shoot for? And I think we see that through, throughout, I mean, even in our own lives so often. At the base of this, I'm wanting something that is rather petty and fleeting and not gonna last. And I think that's Jesus's point, like in Matthew 6, of like, you're chasing after treasure that moth and rust destroy. Like your, your desires are too small, yep. you know. That yeah, it was it was funny. It was <clears throat> as I've been wrestling through what where to go next. In a weird way, they were trying to recreate the garden apart from God. Mm, yeah. They were trying to now again flip everything that you're talking about, which I still mm -hmm. see. If we still do it today, oh yeah, right. I do it in my own little kingdom, yeah, at my home. Yeah. We do it within our own little way in which we perceive the country in which we live. 
but in a very fascinating way, we're trying to recreate something, but apart from God, right? Yeah. Now, no longer, because now with all of that information, well, now anything that they desire to do, God says, wow, they will, they will be able to do. There's yeah. this side of it then where it's like them consuming the information, not towards now their intent of putting God on display, but putting themselves on display. I mean, just every facet of it is a recreating something that God's like, <laughs> no, that's the reason I kicked you out of the garden, right? No, you right. can't recreate that. Right. Yeah. I want to explore God's good world. And I want to know it in such a way that I can advance my own thinking, mm -hmm. but I don't want to know God's good creation and know God's world in a way that actually is going, oh yeah, God, you created this and I want to learn how you, what was your intention here? You know, but, yeah. but knowing and exploring God's good world in a way that actually is acknowledging our dependence on him. Instead, we try to know God's good world in a way that goes, man, how can I innovate this in a way that's going to actually enhance me, <laughs> you know, or or my, my people, or my tribe, or my friends, oh, or, you know, whatever. But I think that's that's the reality of the brokenness that we see. And so, I mean, I see in Genesis 3, we see an undoing of God's intent. I think Genesis 11, we're trying to make a name for ourselves. But I think we jump into the New Testament, and I think Titus 1, 16 talks about the state of humanity being, you know, Paul's talking about the people of Crete, you know, and he, and, he, and he tells, you know, Titus, he says, he says, you know, he goes, um, he's kind of laying out kind of the, the brokenness of the people of Crete, you know, and they are Cretans, you know, they are, uh, but he says their minds and consciences are defiled if you read the ESV, but if you read the NIV, it says their minds and consciences are corrupted. Yeah. You know, it's not that they can't think, it's not that their minds don't work, but they don't work properly. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the reality of going... Oh, when we talk about conf being conformed to the pattern of the world, the pattern of the world is broken. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like our minds aren't functioning properly. They are corrupted. So good. This is where I want to take it to that last part because this is where I want to land it. Because mm -hmm. I, I think just the idea that we have to come into our understanding of our day, our life, that we by nature go that direction. They are, we have a corrupted way of looking at the world as much as we don't think we have a corrupted understanding of the world. But we, now what does that look like practically as we live our daily lives? And so that's kind of what I want to kind of want to explore a little bit next. But go ahead. You were going to say something. No, no, I think we can wait on that one. Well, tip the hand here. Um, most of us think the brokenness of the way people think are with them. Yeah, whoever, that, whoever them is. Yeah. yeah. No, I think rightly. But again, I think that goes back to making a name for ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> Which I would say, like, we really saw them in play over the last two years. It's other people that are thinking wrongly. Oh, my gosh. Not me. And so what I want to do next is I really do, I want to I want to take some time just together to work that through. And if we could, even in our, our working this next part through, I'd even love to know how we've battled with that in some ways. Just our own corrupted thinking um, so that then we can mock other people. No, so that we can really begin to just, I think, help others begin to as as well dive into that to go, wow, no, I have thinking that needs to be transformed, renewed, so that I can be transformed. And so that's where we'll, we'll go next. All right, so I'll let you get us started a little bit, Spencer, and the stuff you were you were wrestling through. And again, I wanted to get to, to us personally. But what would you what would you say... When we say that all of us are corrupted in our thinking, that is our predisposition. That's yeah. our starting point. Yeah. What is it on a practical thing that we need to start really wrestling through as people 
so that that we can be people that are having minds that are renewed. So let me let me throw that at yeah. you to kind of get us started. Then Christian, and I'll jump in. Yeah, I think the first thing is to realize that if we're understanding the biblical story in regards to the mind, what sin hasn't made it impossible. Like it's we're not saying that that those who are broken image bearers can't think or their minds don't work at all. What I'm saying is, no, no, they're corrupted or they're just not functioning properly. They're not functioning the way God intended. So it's like, you know what? The broken image bearers, you know, a, a broken mirror can still reflect. It just can't reflect things properly or accurately. So I want to make sure that we're, we're saying, okay, hey, you know what? Our, our non-believing friends or even us, when we, you know, prior to us being redeemed, um, we could still think and we could still know things and we could still make significant contributions in, you know, in whatever areas. But we're just not functioning the way God intended. And we're not functioning in such a way that is actually putting God on display. You know, so we're still, we're still thinking and knowing. We're just not doing it properly. I don't know if that makes sense or not, but I think we want to make sure we clarify that one first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't, we're not saying that we can't interact with our world. <clears throat> we're not saying that we can't acquire information, right, understand how things work, yeah. operate. But there seems to be a huge issue in and around those those three characteristics that we laid out. That mm-hmm. what is corrupted is our understanding of information and how God allows us to then right. uh, acquire information, whether it's limited or unlimited. Right. Where, where it gets broken is around the idea of dependence. We yes. tend to we tend to acquire and, and work with information independently now. That's our predisposition, and our tendency then to do it apart from God. Yeah. That we. We can still interact with all these different things, but this is where we're saying the brokenness yep. really is when we, under, when we understand that. And I think that's, the, that's even a place of a great sense of commonality and solidarity between us and the unbelieving world around us, is that at that moment of, of conversion or regeneration, when we, when we come to, when that, that reconciliation happens between us and the Lord, it's not an instantaneous, ah, my mind, I'm, I'm Neil who wakes up and goes, I know Kung Fu and I can just do it like from the Matrix. It's this sense of, again, if it's that walking with God in a relationship of trust, it's, okay, now we're learning to walk with God. Now we're learning to say, that's right, I don't want to just engage with the world around me independently. I want to do it in concert with him. And, I mean, that's, I, I think you see that throughout the Gospels of the times when the disciples run out ahead of Jesus or <laughs> they say, hey, Jesus, you want us to call down fire on these people? He goes, all right, just walk with me. You don't get it yet, but you're in the right place. You're in the right place. This is where you know? I go, like... Todd, you were asking, like, personally, you go, okay, what does it mean to, to no longer be conformed to the pattern of the world? Well, my default setting is to think in this as a broken image bearer. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the way my mind operates. One of the ways that plays out is, okay, independence. I, I function independently of what God has laid out for me and how I'm supposed to engage with his world. So for me, I usually start with the assumption that, one, I'm right, and second, that I'm the determiner of truth. And so I'm the subject matter expert, and I'm right. Can I add something to that? I think the other thing well, I've noticed Are you going to acknowledge that I'm right? <laughs> oh, I, I totally know you're messed up. I, I whoa, totally whoa, whoa, whoa. acknowledge that. Oh, yeah, we're, we're focusing on ourselves. I forgot about that. But I think to add to your, your, your two things you've laid out there, the other thing is then we try to acquire information that already bolsters what I already believe. Oh, the Wait, you just said that. Bias, okay, yeah. are you using first person? You, you, you. I said we. Okay. I didn't say you. I said we. <laughs> okay. Because I no I know clarify you. that for me though. Help help me understand. Wrap my yeah, mind well, around what you're saying. I think our predisposition to what you're saying is confirmation bias, right? Like in other words, I under, I think I'm right, 
right off off the front end. I in fact I, I I know I'm right, and so therefore then to bolster my understanding, I avoid information that is going to in any way contradict what I might think differently, or I I avoid groups of people that are that way. And I then begin to absorb all the information over here that that reaffirms what I already think oh, about a particular right. topic. You're building a name for yourself. <clears throat> I'm you're just totally building, exactly. Yeah, you're building dude. up what you already believe. Which yeah. is again, that's a, on a yeah. on a heavy level, on a personal basis. I find myself, I do that quite a bit, where it's like that, the idea of going down another path and and thinking how other people are thinking through an issue is almost dangerous because it then does, it, it flies in the face of me making a name for myself. Right. Yeah, the, the absence of humility in how I think and how I know things. Mm. I mean, it is, I embody Genesis 11 and how my mind works regularly, yeah. right? Of going, I, because to your point, <coughs> I, I seek out information that, that validates what I already think and believe but I also don't take the time to listen to what someone may be thinking differently. Because I do what Genesis 11 did, I put people around me that then think like me, and we all kind of rah-rah this kind of wrong idea, and we don't even understand collectively then how we are actually, in a weird way, flying against or right. or not, not being transformed by the renewing of our mind. Right. So that's where... Like, very practically speaking for me, I look at Romans 12 and go, don't be conformed any longer to the pattern of the world. Okay, the world, its state is broken. We've departed from what God intended. One of the ways we've departed is, okay, a, a pursuit of independence. This idea of independence and how we know things, man... That's, 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 I'm hardwired. I have to actively, to your point, Christian, I've got to actively wake up every morning and go, man, I, I am a redeemed image bearer, a son of the king who, mm. who actually can think differently. Mm. I don't have to just think in terms of validating my own perspective. I can actually solicit and engage and invite other perspectives to the table as a way of loving them. Why do you guys think... What is our fear of having our thoughts and ideas confronted as wrong? Like what within us? You know what I mean by that? Like there's this side of us that there's almost a fear that if we go down these other avenues that like what is that fear do you guys think? I can't speak for other people. I can speak for there's a part of it for me that well, you know, <laughs> there's a part of it for me that I think can be reduced down to two things that come to mind. One is a pride side of things. I do want to build, like, I, I want to be right. And and so I don't, I don't, rarely will I actually take the time to listen or understand what someone else is bringing to the table, because I want to be right. The second is a, a little bit more of, uh, it's hard to acknowledge, but but it's because I don't love people. Mm. You know, because if I if I if I truly loved somebody, I would actually take time to to understand them. And and so it's not a fear side; it's actually worse. It's it's I actually don't love them. Wow. Yeah, I suck. And I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
No, I, I don't know if that makes sense or not, but I go, I, I don't, I don't think I love people well in this one because I don't, I, I want to know what I know and I don't take the time to actually demonstrate affection to someone for actually hmm. trying to understand them. I think for me, it's um, it's a fear of the disorientation if I haven't been interpreting a situation correctly. Um, I think that my default is to the true north, like the, the, the compass heading that I know, okay, I know I'm on the right, right uh, track, is did I think through this well? Did I think through it logically? Did I, all those kind of things. And so if, if a hole in my thinking is pointed out, if somebody brings up something I didn't think of, it hits at that that name for myself, kind of personal security, sort of. No, I'm 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 not getting blindsided by things because I look around, I pay attention, I observe. That's me. I, and I think that's to me where, f- for me, I keep coming back to Proverbs three, five. That idea of to trust in the Lord and not lean on your own understanding. And that 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 phrase to lean. To put my weight on, put my my stability on my own way of understanding. That's where I get myself caught so often, mm-hmm. and so that's what makes it where I will fight. I will. You can talk to my wife. I will get defensive about no. There was no holes in the way I was thinking of this because I'm I'm leaning on my own understanding. And if you pull that out, I feel really disoriented and unstable. Mm-hmm. And I think that for me, that sense of going, like being reminded, I don't see the whole picture, even if I'm. Thinking, yeah, even if rightly, I'm accurate, even yeah. if I'm accurate about mm-hmm. what I am seeing, I'm not seeing all of it. And that trust in the Lord, not lean on your own understanding, not be wise in your own eyes. I mean, it is such a fundamental reorientation. It's like I think about it like in terms of like you're reading a fictional story, and typically, whatever the main character is, you're given the perspective of that main character throughout all the stories, right? You view the world of that book through the lens of that character. Um, and for an author, that main character, you are supposed to view it through that lens. And I think that this is when we come back and we talk about the story of God, God being the main character. We see often in scripture where we're given his perspective on things. And that is such an important reset for me to go, that's right, I'm not the main character. My point of view is not the determiner. People are, those around me are not supposed to interpret life through my lenses. Right. Not even for me am I to do that. That's that sense of, okay. What does it look like to walk in a relationship of trust with God? Um, and I find those times when I am checking myself in terms of like a Proverbs 3, 5 idea, I can have my thinking adjusted. I can actually feel like you can pull out part of it and show me something different. And the house of cards isn't falling down because I'm not just leaning on my understanding. Right. Yeah. But it's only after the fact when I go, why am I fighting so hard on this right. one? Oh, you gosh. Just, you said something just a second ago. That was just, I was like, man, processing it going, man. You said, I think that I have the whole story. Oh, gosh. Yeah. You think about the reality of that, of going, there's seven plus billion people in the world, and I think I have the whole story. Like, honestly, from a position like right now where it's pretty safe, how in the world can I even think that I have all the information that I need to know something that, you know what I mean? Yes. But, uh, yeah. But I yes. think that's one of the, <clears throat> the hard parts probably you guys felt is... Maybe if I can just shift into our roles in leading in different ways. In the last two years, people expected us to know where we were going. And I think one of the things from pride, making now we're back to making a name for myself, is many times I didn't know what to do. Like, there was so much unknown. And instead of leaning, I leaned on, at times, on my own understanding because 
in a weird way, as leaders, we have to make decisions. We got to do things. We got to act like we got it all together. We got to. I mean, it was it was a very difficult time. <clears throat> I mm-hmm. would say on a personal level, as people look to you, and you feeling like I don't know if I have all the answers. I don't know if I know right. what I'm supposed to do. I don't have all the information. Right, and, and you go so so on one side. If we try to know things independently, we end up in this situation. But another part of like knowing things improperly or kind of a reality of being in a broken state is we're now also prone to deception. Mm. So now I can I can become this the one who's trying to determine things on my own and, and man, maybe I don't know what to do. But then we also throw in another piece of information, which is now I'm also prone to deception. Mm-hmm. So it's not just I'm the one who's determining what course of action or what we should or shouldn't do. But now there's one more thing of going, man, I could also be deceived. And the people who I'm interacting with can also be deceived. <laughs> it's, it's like, man, how do we do this? And especially if the deception connects with what I want. Oh my goodness. Oh yeah. gosh. <laughs> oh my gosh. If that's what I You're want. You're pulling on my emotions or my, like, yeah, my desires. Whew. Right. And gosh, that, that's the one where, um, I don't, we, we come up across this all the time. That sense of, when we talk about this idea of walking with God in a relationship of trust, we are still by nature trusting beings. But again, I think in the Genesis 11, make a name for myself, we are far too quick to trust ourselves yeah. and far too quick to distrust those around us. Um, and I think that like, so or we often, trust things that are consistent with what we want. So yeah. we're putting something in it in not in ourselves, but things that are saying the same thing or believing the same thing I am. Yeah. So I'm not actually trusting myself, but I really am. But that's yeah. why we're so, and we, we ingrain our kids in the pattern of this world to, with stories of characters who find success in life by following their hearts, by following yeah. their, that will, your heart will lead you in the right <laughs> direction. And that is such a juicy temptation oh, to just go, yeah, your internal desires, that's the compass. That's the compass that yeah, guides you. Just be true to life. yourself. And that is, I mean, but the reason why we, we, all of us take it hook, line, and sinker so often is that's, that's like our family value in Adam. And that's such a fundamental thing when we can start to build a healthy distrust of that of my own desires, of my own perspective. Okay, now I can, I think that's actually the, the, the key to teachability. Not gullibility, but teachability. If I'm willing to check it and go, gosh, I am not seeing the whole picture and even what I am seeing, I'm tweaking. And not only that, I want to believe things that fit my desires. Oh gosh, do I need a guide? Right, but if, if you bring this back now to where we started, this is, this is the pattern of the world. Mm-hmm. And, and Paul's saying, don't be conformed to this anymore. Yeah. And so that's where I go, why does this matter? To answer your question that you started with, why does this matter? Because this is the way we all think. Yep. And, and the reality of being a redeemed image bearer, Paul's calling us something, to something different and the, new, and the Holy Spirit has actually empowered us to think differently. Mm-hmm. But, but here's the part that's crazy for me, and this is what I think I, this last Sunday where I was trying to land, of going, not only is this the state of the, of the world and the broken image bears, this is how our mind works, 
the Holy Spirit has empowered us to think differently. So now for the first time in the history of humanity, the Holy Spirit says, you don't have to do this. Mm. You can actually think differently and, and you're empowered to do this differently. But man, you know what? All of our non-believing friends, all of our non-believing family members, they can't think differently. But I go, that's why this matters. Yeah. Which doesn't make us better than them. No. no. It just means the only contrast is the work of God in our life, right? We don't... Exactly. There is no distinction between us and other people other than one thing, God's grace and his goodness in, in that way, which... I'll tell you what, like when you landed that this last weekend, Spencer, I think it was so good for us, especially coming into a week where I've had several conversations in and around something like abortion, right? That came big time to the surface lately in, in kind of what happened at the Supreme Court level, where I think I hear people getting so angry about like how people are thinking through abortion. Don't they get it? Don't they understand? Don't they? And the answer is, well, no. They, they, they are viewing humanity, they're viewing how this world operates, the intent of God. I mean, just every facet of it, because it goes back to those three things you started off with. Their information is faulty, and they're pulling information in with an inability to be able to process it via a trusting relationship with God, not independently, but now dependently upon mm -hmm. Him. And then we get angry that people don't think that way. And I think maybe even in some ways we get angry at them because we honestly think that in the back of our heads, we are thinking like we do because we did it. Yeah. It's still a name for self thing. Right? Common sense. <laughs> it's Yeah. It, and and yeah. really all it is, and, I, and, it, and that doesn't excuse away something no. as unjust and evil as abortion. No. I'm not trying to excuse away people thinking that way because that is the, that's the outcome of this fallen world that's the brokenness but i think right now especially the church in the midst of that has such an opportunity to speak grace and truth and justice into this particular situation but i think we what was so important for me what you said this last weekend was we've got to realize there's a piece of this that's missing in these people's lives mm -hmm. and yeah. we've got to we've got to come at it from that vantage point. And again, I think I can't think of the exact reference of the proverb, but the proverb that says there's a way that seems right to a yeah. man and in the end it it's leads to death. It leads to destruction. It's this sense of not to hold that in judgmentally over people, but to see and have this compassionate sense mm -hmm. of you don't see the death and destruction wow. that is at the end of that thinking. And Paul's point like in 2 Corinthians 3 and 4 is the only reason that those of us in Christ can see it is because God opened our eyes, not to feel prideful over those around us, but in the same way to say, because this is the other thing for me, like when I think evangelistic, when I think about friends and family members that are unbelievers, this takes the burden off. I don't have to try to convince people based upon worldly thinking of the truth of the gospel. It is that sense of to make clear the goodness of God, to seek to speak it in a clear way, not present obstacles in my communication of it, and yet beg God, open their eyes, help them to see what I can't make them see, which I couldn't make myself see, yeah. but you can give us eyes to see. Which kind of gives you an idea of like Jesus multiple times had compassion, oh, right? Man. They don't get it. They don't see it. They don't understand it. And I think right now, one of the big things that might be missing in like my personal life, I think, mm -hmm. but also just maybe like even in Cornerstone, because we need to speak to Cornerstone a whole is that compassion, mm, yeah. just that, that true? Yeah, it's compassion for the, the non-believing world and then a gracious engagement and encouragement to each other 
because I, I know some of the feedback I've gotten in the last week or so was going, no, no, I, I agree that we need to be compassionate with those, those broken image bearers who can't think God's thoughts after him. But what about those in the church who yeah. are thinking wrongly? Yeah. <laughs> and going, that's the struggle for me. And I was like, yeah, me too. You know, I'm going, yeah, yeah. And, because and, it's not me that's thinking <laughs> exactly, wrongly, it's no. them. And that's where it comes back to, man, that humility of going, okay, how do we graciously encourage one another to function as these, these new redeemed mm -hmm. image bearers? Mm -hmm. But I think that's where I'm excited to see where we're going the next couple of weeks because I go, okay, the Holy Spirit does... Holy Spirit does empower us to think and function differently. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, I'm going to bring it to a close a little bit. Thanks so much just for having that conversation. And thanks for joining us today. Really appreciate you being there uh, to, to just hang out with us, to engage with us. I hope this has been encouraging to you. And, uh, and so what we're going to do is we're going to close off and, uh, and uh, move on and kind of have a discussion in and through just... How is it then we begin to engage in this world? What is it that God has given us in redemption to be able to truly be able to do that? So mm -hmm. thank you so much for joining us. Uh, this has been uh, uh, Beyond Sunday, where we're trying to take these big ideals of Scripture and land them into the, our regular lives, land them into the context of a local church. So God bless you all. Mm -hmm.